0: Welcome to Christian Financial Perspectives, where you're invited to gain insight, wisdom, and knowledge about how Christians integrate their faith, life, and finances with a biblical worldview. Here's your host, Christian investment advisor, financial planner, and coach, Bob Barber.
1: Well, Sean, it's good to have you back from your uh, baby moon that you've been on.
2: Yes, it is. Uh, Although, even with all the sunscreen, uh, I still did not come back unscathed from
1: the sun. Did you have one of those sunburn days like you had when we did, went down to, oh, uh, what was let's, it? Let's not South talk about Audrey, that day. about uh, 10, 10 or 11 years
2: ago. I remember that. But. No, no. I, I, I got a little bit of color, so I'm a little less uh, the color of the pale moonlight. But no, I did not get a sunburn like that. But it was, thankfully, you guys seemed like you handled things pretty well while I was gone. But No, I, I didn't.
1: Uh, no, without you, <laughs> it, was, it was hard. It was hard, but... Uh, I know that you and Jen are looking forward to this next baby that you're going to be having, and yeah, I think um, you're
2: looking forward to it. Well, yeah, sorry. I am. I am, and y'all went we to down. Down. Y- So y'all went to Maui. We did. It's the first time I've ever been ever been to Maui, but I guess Jen went with your family, like the whole family, fifteen, sixteen years ago, whatever it was. And she said she remembered the road to Hana was like all these cliffs, and you're about to fall off the side of the road, and. <laughs> And it was certainly winding. I've never I have never gotten car sick that I remember in my life, and I made it about two thirds of the way up the road to Hana before I had to just lean back <laughs> and close That's my it. eyes.
1: That was it. Huh? Yeah.
2: Uh, but but Jenna Jenna was like, you know, I I usually have a good memory, but she said the road to Hana had less cliffs than she remembered. You know, like she, it was it's certainly winding, but I guess in her kid brain, maybe like she was thinking that you were right on the edge of the cliffs more, but it was, it was, it was a lot of fun.
1: Well, I have a really good podcast for us today. I've been working on this and this is our 103rd podcast for Christian financial perspectives. We we keep getting up there and I'm thinking about this and Sean, let me tell you where I, where I came up with this idea. And, and today's podcast is going to be on questions to consider before making a big financial decision. Okay. And we've talked about this in the last couple of podcasts. You know, I I'm really getting that new car itch because I just went over 100,000 miles. (laughs) But I'm trying very hard not to do that. And I'm telling you, a big financial decision today is buying a car. I I can't believe, like, you know me, I love Ford Explorers. I love the the new Jeep uh, Cherokee L, the long one.
2: Those that new would, Ford Broncos that they
1: brought back. Oh yeah. But, yeah, but 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 these cars. I mean, they're like fifty five, sixty thousand yeah, dollars. So cheap.
2: A cheap car now is. I mean, you might get are, lucky to get one under twenty.
1: These are big financial decisions nowadays. Mm-hmm. But Sean, what here's what's hard on me is you you know where I live is like every guy in my subdivision is driving a brand new you know
2: a King Ranch King Ranch
1: <laughs> Ford F three fifty truck that they paid eighty grand for and. I, I, and so I'm like, man. So I thought I thought i would make a podcast called Questions You Need to Consider Before Making a Big Financial Decision. Because I, I tell you, many times a big financial decision, especially with automobiles, because this is a depreciating asset, can turn into a bad one. Yeah. So, so Bob, this
2: sounds like a little bit of uh, maybe self-therapy. It, it is. This is self-therapy. You know what? If you're struggling with this, even your position. Yeah. People are probably out there I, also struggling. You know with, hey, I've struggled. You-, you know I have. I, I mean, I am not the perfect person by any means. And
1: so we're, we're going to attempt today to, to look at questions that you need to consider before making that next big financial decision. Now, this is what I mean by a big financial decision besides the new car. You know, HGTV is always touting their big, nice vacation properties. And you know right. that's tempting for me, too. It's another temptation.
2: Or their home renovation projects. Uh, Yep. Yep. I was talking to a uh, a client
1: the other day. He's wanting to buy a new boat. I was like, yeah. Those are good pricey. Yeah. Yep. I was actually talking to another client. They're looking at an RV. I was like, oh no. And believe it or not, we have several clients that have airplanes. So (laughs) these are big financial decisions. So you got the major remodel. You got the boat. And many of those are ongoing
2: financial decisions too. It's not even just that initial purchase. No. Yeah.
1: And, and so we're going to discuss, you know, and we're going to post all this on, on our website, things that, that you need to think about.
2: Yeah. So that'll be posted at our uh, ChristianFinancialAdvisors.com slash podcast. And I'm really excited about this episode, Bob, because I know there are many out there who might not have ever thought of some of these questions, along with some who will actually be surprised that financial decisions are always a spiritual decision as well. It's when it, when you're a Christian, component. it should be. Yeah. Because
1: if we really believe that God owns it all, in Psalms 24 1, Psalms 24 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So if we believe that's God and God owns it all, then we're managing. So for a Christian, a financial decision is also a spiritual decision. So, Sean, if you notice, I came up with a lot of questions. And like I said, we'll post all this on the website so you can pull them up. So All what's right. that first one you see there?
2: Uh, first one, and these are in no order of importance necessarily, but number one is, is the potential purchase a want or a need? Hmm. The, that one is, I, I feel like would hit a lot of people. <laughs> it oh, it, <laughs> like it, is, it, it is it really something you need? Yeah, or is it just something or, you want? Yeah, like yeah. do you really need a new car, Bob, or do you just want something because you hit 100,000 miles? Okay, okay. I, I,
1: Hey, now not putting you on your spot here. You but don't have to I know, answer. No, no, but no, it's because I want it. I, the new, you know, yeah. I haven't had a new car in five or six years now. I, it's a new car smell and all that. But my car, I washed it really nice this weekend, cleaned it all yeah. up. I'm like, this is really nice. Maybe I can keep this at least another year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really. It's but but yeah, that's a want. That's not a need because the vehicle yeah. is running fine. But I tell you, Sean, people buy all the time based on wants. True. in, in now, not needs. Now, Jenna and
2: I are in a, a similar situation where we're looking at maybe getting rid of, rid of one of our vehicles because we have a small two-row SUV, which is typical, mm-hmm. and we have a full-size car. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. with the new baby on the way, we're going to have at least two car seats plus you know all of the gear that it takes to take care of kids. Uh-huh. And so we've been looking at maybe even uh, doing something a little weird, maybe even selling our car now since used car prices are still so high and i'll just walk to work for for a few months remember i
1: said i'd just give you my explorer and i
2: guess you could buy your new car okay all
1: right all right so there's that the second question that i I think about so you said is it a want or a need is can you really live without it
2: that's a good one yeah
1: now in in this case like what you're talking about because i know that's a very small suv that y'all have right with with two children that might be a little small so You could live, you could absolutely if you had to. We could, we could, yeah. But but it would would be really, really tight. But but can you live without it? In other words, can you live without the the new airplane or the new car or the the remodel? I see so many times on HGTV, they'll go in and and they'll do this major remodel that costs $50,000. And it's all just for aesthetics. It's not for function at all. It's just because the color wasn't right. The, the countertops didn't look good, but the countertops were fine. They weren't broken or
2: anything. Right.
1: But it's so it, because it looks better.
2: And, you know, want versus need, can you live without it? You know, there. I feel like there's a lot of these questions that we're going to be going over where it's not necessarily that there's a wrong answer for some of these. Like, it doesn't mean that just because it's a want versus a need that you shouldn't do it. But it's just some really important questions to... To kind of cover you know make your pros and cons list Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
2: so uh, another one is uh what is the reason that you or i want to make this purchase yeah
1: yeah what it and and what is the reason i need it so yeah write those down get take these questions and write them down why is it i want it Some new car smell it might be more safe
2: yeah or Um, maybe our family is growing, and we don't and have so enough do room in this size car. Yeah.
1: <laughs> will the purchase is it going to appreciate or depreciate in value over that's, time? That's that's
2: a good one to so like a home. Obviously, uh, if you ask any realtor, the price will always go up. But oh, oh, certainly, <laughs> never down. But in general, it, it is true yeah. with with real estate that there may be shorter periods of, of a down market. You know, because every market, no matter what it is, housing, stock market, they always go through cycles. But housing, real estate, those do tend to appreciate over time. Now, a car, since we talked about that one a lot, definitely one of those depreciating assets. Um, Most of the time, if you buy like a boat or or maybe even an RV, any of those types of vehicles probably will depreciate over time. And depending on which vehicle it is, it may depreciate a lot more over time.
1: So that's where you need to think about the total annual cost.
2: Exactly. So what would the... What will be the total annual cost of the purchase from the time you buy it until you sell it? And so for an example, a vacation property, boat, RV, airplane, you know, the, these are things that can be very expensive up front, but especially you know, a plane. I, mean, I feel like that's one of the biggest examples. The cost of maintaining that plane, the cost of operating that plane, it's a lot higher than people think about I mean, even if you did a, a plane card thing, you know, where you're kind of like a part of the club. Same
1: thing with the RV. I mean,
2: you're talking about, you know, possibly $1,000 or more per hour of operation, not including anything else during the year. It, RV, same thing. Oh, maybe a slightly smaller but, scale yeah. than the plane, but, but they only they What they get?
1: Seven, 10 miles to the gallon? At yeah.
2: yeah. Downhill. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and, you know, I think uh, we've, we've talked about this when we talked about real estate as a vacation property. Mm-hmm. I don't think people really think. Now, of course, you want that price appreciation. That's on one side. But on the other side, you have the taxes and the insurance and the maintenance. And, exactly. you know, they're always showing this stuff on HGTV. They always show the, the beachfront properties. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the cost of insurance to cover those properties is very, very high. Exactly. And this is why you always see so many vacation properties for sale. Right. Because someone goes into it and they I never really counted all the costs. I never realized it was gonna right. cost
2: this much. So like, for example, if you bought a vacation property on the beach and you loved it for about a year or two, and then you just decided this isn't worth it anymore. that And especially if you're, like a lot of people do, they'll get a vacation home and they're not gonna be there all the time. So what do most people do? They go to VRBO, they go to Airbnb, they uh-huh. try to list it themselves with the property management group. And, and all that starts to add up to where, yeah, you might make money on it, but Also, when people look at the appreciation of an asset like that, that 30%, was that actually enough to cover all of the expenses and the maintenance and the purchasing initially and the interest cost, like everything involved? Or is that 30% more like eight? And is that 8% over a two-year period or more? Then was that really a better decision, especially if you looked at as investment versus Leaving it in portfolio. And are you
1: talking about real estate going up by thirty percent in one year?
2: Well, it well, has over happened. a couple of years. Like, even happened. if it did that, that's yeah. the point. Is is what is your true cost, and what are you actually getting out of it? See, we're
1: going to get down to this pretty soon, I believe. We're going to come back down to reality, especially as they start to raise interest rates, because people, most people don't think right now. You know, interest rates are two or three percent. I mean, you can, or even four percent. Well, if you raise interest rates by just one percent, you've raised it by 20 to 30%, and that's going to lower the price of that house. I mean, they, they're going to have to lower the price because yeah. most people don't buy houses with
2: cash. So what do you mean by that, Bob? If it goes up 1% on the interest rate, but it's going up by 23%. Okay, okay,
1: okay. What I mean by that, so if you go from 3% to 4%, you've gone up by 33% on the interest rate. You realize? Right. It? Okay, the reason, the, where I come from that formula is 1% of 3, or 1 of 3 is 33. Right. 1 right. Third of 3 is 33, right. which is 33%. So if it goes from a three percent interest rate to a four percent interest rate, you have raised the interest rates by thirty-three percent.
2: Right. And then that affects the home price. By about twenty to twenty five percent. Which means now the purchasing power of the buyers is gonna be reduced by twenty to twenty five percent. That will affect the actual pricing.
1: See, I think we're gonna come back to where real estate is just keeping rate with inflation, not this twenty to thirty percent appreciation. So you talk about a vacation more normal. normal. So we get back to a vacation home of a normal appreciation of 5% a year. Mm -hmm. Over a two-year period or three-year period in that vacation home that you've owned it, you have not made money. You've lost money. Between the time that you're buying costs, closing Mm -hmm. costs, costs to get it, and then when you sell it, the realtor fees and the title company fees and all the different fees will knock that down. And that really pulls your yield down. Another thing that people don't think about when they want to go buy – A property or an RV or a boat or a new car. And I'm going to use here an example of a $50,000 withdrawal. Okay. Let's say they have an investment and they're going to withdraw that $50,000 out of an investment account that's making a nice 6% return on average, let's say. Well, you realize over a 12 year period, based on the rule 72s, that 50 is now not going to double to 100. So you've taken money out of your investment portfolio. is no longer growing. You right. possibly put it in a depreciation asset. So anytime you want to make a purchase, you really want to say, well, what are the disadvantages? But what are the advantages of it, too? So there may be some advantages to the purchase, but you also need to list the disadvantages. Because we've talked
2: about the pros and cons of many of so, these areas. So list both the advantages and the disadvantages. Mm-hmm. Good. Good idea. So another one. Have I prayed about it and sought wisdom from God's Word? For a Christian, as I said earlier, all big financial decisions should be a spiritual one as well, as it's all God's money in the first place. And Psalms twenty four one talks about that. We are considered managers, not owners, according to the Scripture.
1: So we believe that that you should pray about it and and really seek and see what that wisdom says to you are you positive that making this purchase decision is a smart move in the long run? Yeah. And I mean, are you positive, really positive that's going to happen?
2: So another one does this financial decision presume upon a financial future that may or may not happen? Uh, that's
1: That's a good one, isn't it?
2: Yeah. So you're maybe making that decision of, well, i am supposed to get a raise of x amount you know coming in this next year and as long as we hit our sales quota then this will be fine it's totally within the budget and then something like i don't know global pandemic hits and you have a bunch of economic shutdowns and all of a sudden sales quotas aren't even close to what you thought it was going to be And all of a sudden that bonus or raise doesn't happen
1: or an illness comes out of nowhere exactly or you're or you're in an accident you know, if you have to borrow the purchase, that plane or that car or that home, you are always presuming upon a future that we really know, have no idea about. I got this principle from Ron Blue, a very well-known Christian financial author. And I, I've never heard anybody say it like he, the way he said it. And it's stuck with me every since. that borrowing presumes upon the future. That's a
2: good way to look at it. So will this purchase affect my giving negatively? So there are only four ways to spend money. That's right. Live, give, owe, and grow. One of these will be affected. It has to be. Yeah. Because when you think about those four ways, live,
1: give, owe, grow, if it's going to cost you more to live now and pay that extra bill, then it's got to come out of either... The the giving part or the growing part.
2: Yeah. And I guess that's a a good question to ask. When you're looking at that giving, am I making this decision out of uh, maybe a surplus or out of something that maybe something new has happened? Or am I going to be taking away from my growth potential, say your portfolio, Mm -hmm. or am I going to be taking away from the church or some other area that I'm giving in? That's that's excellent. And
1: and could, could a purchase take away from your cash reserves too? I mean you want to keep cash reserves and maybe you have plenty in cash reserves but is it going to pull those cash reserves down to a dangerous level to do that purchase And
2: the recommendation on that is you know at a bare minimum you should have 3 months of your monthly expenses saved up in cash you shouldn't touch that We always recommend here 6 months Now and, and remember
1: the formula from Genesis 41 that we did which is 1.4
2: years 1.4 correct yeah, yeah.
1: Because Joseph told Pharaoh to save a fifth of the harvest is 20% for up to seven years. 20 times seven is 1.4. Exactly. 1.4 years. That's astounding when people hear that and they're like, where did you get that from? I got that straight from from Scripture.
2: So another one we would be looking at, am I saving enough now for my future before making this purchase? That's a good one. So... I have people ask me on a regular basis. You know, they're look, they have X amount in cash reserves, and mm-hmm. they're looking at making a purchase. or so they're looking at pulling money out of their portfolio. And the question I usually ask is, well, are you going to be dipping below your minimum cash reserves? Are you going to be uh, Affecting your affecting long, your long term retirement account? Exactly. So if if this is going to affect, which kind of goes back to this one of four things for the way you spend the money, are you going to be taking away from your growth? And if you're taking away from how much you're saving, maybe it's not a good choice.
1: I had this one there, Sharon, but I, Sean, but I think we've already shared a little bit about the cash reserves after the purchase in case of the cash event. So yeah, this next one. one is really important. Well, I was going over this with Rachel and I said, what do you think about this one, Rachel? If married, is my spouse agreeable with the purchase? She said, yeah, you need to that keep that one in here. That is an
2: important one. Even if, you know, a lot of couples will say like, oh, well, my wife or my husband, like they'll say one of them makes the financial decision oh I let them handle the budget okay that may be true but the thing is is when you and your spouse purchase something whether it's one person that purchased it or two you're both being affected by that and what is the number one uh, typically the I think the all the polls and stuff you see the number one cause of divorce is usually money and financial issues mm-hmm. so making sure that you and your spouse are in agreement with the purchase you're not in opposition that's a huge thing. Don't add more stress to something. It's already hard enough to be, you know, God fearing and love your spouse unconditionally. Don't add another problem to it.
1: I tell you the large purchases are usually done by us guys too, I gotta admit it. I mean, I'll get on Rachel for buying, you know, the, the extra clothes and the shoes and stuff, but then I wanna go buy the boat. So that yeah. or the new car. Or the new car. Is there an alternative to making this large purchase? So if you're looking at that vacation home or you're looking at that car, or you're looking at that RV, or even that airplane in some cases, is there an alternative? Would it be less expensive to rent that vacation home, or even yeah. to rent an RV? there's RVReynals
2: now.com. Yeah.
1: Would it be cheaper to do that, less expensive than buying in the yeah. long run?
2: And that would come down to, you know, in the case of the vacation home, how often are you really wanting to go down? Like, are you finding that you're going every month, taking a long weekend? Are you going once a quarter? You going twice a year? I mean, how often are you really going to be able and want, or willing, able and willing to go down to that home? And if you're not going down enough based on what you're going to be spending on it compared to renting, maybe just rent, and then you don't have the responsibility of what if something comes up and you don't get to go for six months? Well, you didn't lose anything on the renting side.
1: I've learned something else with vacation homes, and this is to the older generation. Don't buy that vacation home thinking your kids want to come to it. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Yes. Yes, I'm right. Yes, right? absolutely. Because you're not a big beach guy. Yet. We've had a couple of these vacation homes. And yeah, like, you've you got
2: one to... up in Colorado, I might have hmm. to make the drive up there. But that's too far. <laughs> it's too far. So, So over. the last but not least, have I sought wise, godly counsel from someone I trust? if this is a good financial decision or not. And as we know, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed.
1: You know, with Ecclesiastes what did it say two are better than one. Exactly. I just had a call this morning from a, from a wise young man, about 32 years old, and we talked about that this morning because he says, you know, I've really saved and I've done well, and I'm up to where now it's a pretty good-sized sum, and, and I want some counsel. I feel like I'm doing this all by myself. I want some godly counsel. So we realize there's a lot of questions. If you count all these t- together, there's 18 of them. So what we're we're doing is we're putting all of this on the podcast website. You can go yep. pull them all up. And next time you're looking at a large purchase, pull these up and go through them. Go through yep. them with your wife. Pray about it. Ask the Lord, Lord, is this really what you want? And count the cost. Yep. Yep. That's the main thing is count the cost. It's in Matthew where it says, look at the wise man. And he didn't count the cost before he went and built it. Nope. So you need the, the count the cost. And we want to have it all for you. And it's christianfinancialadvisors.com forward slash podcast to find all these questions. That's and, going to do it for today.
2: And just remember when you're looking at those questions, I like to keep it simple, okay. which I feel like is usually helpful. But when you're looking at those questions, you may come to the decision that maybe it was a want, or maybe you know it is a little bit more more money. But if you if you've prayed about it, you've sought wise counsel, and you've gone through these, and you still have a peace about it, it's probably okay. But if you've got something, if you've got the you know the Holy Spirit is, is kind of pulling on your heartstrings a little bit, it's kind of nudging you, and you you don't feel that peace about it, maybe just hold off for a second.
1: That's right. Yeah, we're not saying there's anything wrong
2: with a new car. Exactly. Not but, not at all. At the end of the day, I think that's what it is. It's just you want to make sure that between you and the Lord and with you and your spouse that you're at peace, whatever that decision is. Thanks, Sean. That's it. All right.
0: That's all for now. We invite you to listen to all of our past episodes covering many financial topics from a Christian perspective. To make sure you don't miss any of Bob's upcoming episodes, you can subscribe to Christian Financial Perspectives on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Amazon Music. To learn more about integrating your faith with your finances, visit ChristianFinancialAdvisors.com or call 830-609-6986. Investment advisory services offered through Christian Investment Advisors, Inc., DBA, Christian Financial Advisors, also known as Christian Financial Advisors Management Group, a registered investment advisor. Comments from today's show are for informational purposes only and not to be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any company that may have been mentioned or discussed. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host, Bob Barber, and his guests. Bob does not provide tax advice and encourages you to seek guidance from a tax professional. While Christian Investment Advisors believes the information to be accurate and reliable, we do not claim or have responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or reliability.